Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number 93. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at $2,579 each. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me today as I podcast from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin blockchain epicenter of the South. I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, right by my side. Say hello to everyone, Maxwell. We're two Bitcoin fanatics who love talking about Bitcoin and blockchain and distributed ledger technology and cryptocurrencies and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Longtime listeners, thank you once again for joining us. And new listeners, welcome to the show. We hope you enjoy it. On today's show, I am fortunate to be speaking with Professor Jules White, Assistant Professor of Computer Science at Vanderbilt University, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, the Athens of the South. In this interview, we discuss the future of blockchain technology from the perspective of an academic who is beginning to introduce blockchain tech and distributed ledger tech to his students. Yes, listeners, this is truly an exciting time here at the dawn of the age of cryptocurrency. Welcome, listeners. Today on the show, I am honored to be speaking with a gentleman who works in the field of education. Professor Jules White holds a Ph.D. in computer science and is currently an assistant professor in the Department of Computer Science at Vanderbilt University right here in Nashville, Tennessee, the Athens of the South, as they say. Professor White, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. It's great to be speaking with you here today on this beautiful spring day in Nashville. So, Professor White, if you would tell us a little about your background and at what point you started learning about or hearing about blockchain tech and Bitcoin and all of this new distributed ledger tech that seems to be taking the tech world and the financial world by storm. Sure. I'm a researcher at Vanderbilt, so I do research in distributed systems and cybersecurity. So I've certainly been hearing about blockchain technology for quite a while, at least going back to before Vanderbilt, I was at Virginia Tech and I was faculty there as well and had students who had a lot of interest in Bitcoin back then and we were looking at blockchain. In terms of actively pursuing research around it, that came up in the last year or two as we had some of our industry sponsors that were interested in blockchain and really began asking for us to do some work and looking into different things for them Mm -hmm. in this space. And in the last probably six to nine months, there's really been an acceleration of 
interest in blockchain and other distributed ledger technologies. So when you say industry interests, can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. So a big part of what we do is we go off and do research and we typically get grant funding of some sort to support the work that we do. So we have a variety of sources that we get grant funding from National Science Foundation, Department of Defense, DARPA, but we also get funding from companies. So when I say industry interest, this is companies that we've been working with or have showed up and wanted to work with us and wanted to fund research into blockchain and how it can apply to their businesses. Okay. All right. Now, I looked you up online, of course, and one thing that was interesting is your students, you know, they have these things now that rate the teacher. <laughs> it can be really damning if mm -hmm. the teacher's not very good. And of course, you have students that will say, this professor is amazing, and other students that say, I hated this professor. You know, usually it's there's some correlation between the grade they got in the class, I'm guessing. But anyway, your reviews from students were just stellar. They were shining. So that's, you know, that's very impressive. That says a lot. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm looking here on this bio of yours. That's just unbelievable. You know, I'm guessing you're like 150 years old to have received all of these, <laughs> this massive list of awards and research interests, educational background, research, commercialization and faculty entrepreneurship massively open online courses, appointments, journal papers, the journal papers, I'm scrolling down, I'm still scrolling, still scrolling, still conference publications, that, I'm still scrolling on that one, book chapters, workshop publications, magazine articles, patents and patent applications, submitted publications, poster publications, demos, grants and contracts, I'm still scrolling, press, courses taught, professional activities, this is quite impressive, I have to say panels, invited talks. Man, if I read through all of this, it would take an hour just reading through all of this. So obviously I won't. But yeah, this is great stuff. So I'm curious, first of all, what do your colleagues, your friends and your family think about or do you talk to them about blockchain or distributed ledgers, Bitcoin or any of that? Do they appreciate how important this tech is, as I'm sure you're aware? And, you know, the social implications of it, the financial implications, the tech implications? Well, I think there's certainly a lot of talk about blockchain. And I think what we've seen is, is there's really a lot of the talk is, I would say, hype around, oh, it has potential to do this, it has potential to do this, but with little specifics on how that actually might happen. Right. And so <laughs> the thing that we're interested in where the rubber meets the road, does it make sense in a particular use case? If so, what are the hard problems that have to be solved and what is the research that needs to be done to mm -hmm. address those problems? So there's certainly talk about how it could transform all kinds of things, but I think there's a lot more that needs to be done in the concrete aspects of how are you actually going to use it to do that and does it make sense and to separate out the idea from the things that actually are real and really make sense. And so we've seen a lot of talk and what you see is I think on the tech side, what we've seen is that there's a lot of folks that are the actual practitioners who are building real big systems and understand distributed systems. And they're saying, yeah, it makes sense for certain things, but not everything that's being talked about. Or it could make sense for that, but you know, nobody's really explaining how it would work and the devil's in the details. So I think on the technical side, we see a lot of, you know, it's certainly very interesting. It has a lot of great properties in certain use cases, mm -hmm. but we really need to see details and it needs to be thought through in greater depth. I would say on the business side, we tend to see more of the pie in the sky. Everything can be solved with blockchain, which <laughs> I think that the truth is somewhere in between the two. There's a lot of great uses for it. It will certainly have the potential to transform a lot of industries. Mm -hmm. 
But if you look at the current state, the dreaming up use cases for it is way ahead of what's actually being done and applied. And once some of those applications come out, you know, I think it'll start to make more sense as to where it's really going to gain traction and change things. Finance, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to make a big difference. And that's also partly because that's the, you know, a use case that's close to where, you know, its origin, you know, when, when Bitcoin came out and really started driving, you know, this whole idea of a distributed currency that wasn't controlled by anyone, that's a very close use case to finance. But to say, you know, we're going to take this same technology and apply it to solve and pick a random problem that's very far away from the original use case for blockchain. It may work there, but it's going to take time, and there's a lot of details that have to be sorted out to make sure that it's going to do that. And where our interest lies is in, let's go and see these use cases, and it does it actually make sense there? If it does, what are the hard problems, and how do we evaluate different solutions and approaches and architectures for using it in that domain and have a really rigorous evaluation of that? Nice. Yeah, I like that. Where the rubber meets the road. Let's figure this out. You know, it reminds me of science fiction where you have famous science fiction writers going back to Asimov. I'm a big science fiction fan. And some of the things he wrote about didn't exist. You know, same for Bradbury. They didn't exist at the time that they wrote about them and they existed later on. So yeah, a lot of these guys in the Bitcoin space, blockchain space, they are the dreamers. They're dreaming it into existence, but it's not there yet because we don't actually have a way to do it yet, right? So as far as use cases, springboarding off of everything you just said, what are some things that you think immediately that maybe you're working on or that you're interested in that are actual practical use cases, you know, where the rubber actually meets the road, as you said? I like that. Well, I certainly think anything that is close to the original idea of transactions, or one way of looking at it is transactions as a service. Mm -hmm. So you want to transact something between two parties, exchange something, or track ownership of things. I think those types of use cases make a lot of sense and where you want the transaction to be public and known. Mm -hmm. So if I want to exchange money with you and I want it provable that that really happened, or I want to sell you something, or I want to give you property, I think those types of use cases make a lot of sense. So things where payment is involved, where, you know, chain of custody is involved and things, who, who owns what, I think those use cases make a lot of sense. So I think if you go and look at healthcare and where it's getting traction in healthcare, you look at things like prescription refills or, you know, filling of, you know, requesting certain things to be done or payments, mm -hmm. that type of space. But then if you go and look at something that's much farther away, because blockchain isn't really the solution, it could be a component of it. It's something like, you know, interchange of data for healthcare interoperability. Mm -hmm. Well, blockchain isn't going to solve healthcare interoperability. It's one way that you could exchange the information potentially, but then it adds to all kinds of complexities of how are you going to protect that information? Mm -hmm. How are you going to, you still have to standardize on the format of that information and the terminology. So it doesn't solve that. It could be a component of that, but it doesn't solve it. And if you choose it as a component, it brings with it very specific ramifications. So I think when you look at blockchain and when you look at things that are close to where it is um, and has been used and are about exchange of public information in a verifiable way and knowing who owns what, you know, and who's giving who what, I think it makes a lot of sense. When you move farther away, there's a lot more that has to be sorted out and it may make sense or it may not make sense. And that's, still, I think, being figured out. Yeah, I agree. You know, in healthcare for supply chains, it's so important to know 
where a given, let's say, drug is at a certain period in time. So, you know, an actual time stamp on that saying, hey, it is here, it's leaving this dock or it's leaving this country and it's headed this way, you know, that it can have sensors there and that information can be on the blockchain. That all seems, of course, very realistic to me. Also, in healthcare, it's exciting to me to think that, is it possible in the future that I can have my own health records they're on the blockchain or on a blockchain and have access to them, but more than that, have control of them such that I am the one who decides who gets to see my medical records. And when I go in to visit a doctor, I can take those back with me and I hold the private keys, if you will, to my own personal healthcare information. And, you know, I think in terms of personal information, we are going to see a future, I hope we see a future, I should say, where people realize that they probably shouldn't just give all of their personal information out there to entities and to companies that then turn around and sell that, you know, bundle that or whatever, and sell that to other companies for profit. Because, you know, the bottom line is, in most instances, it doesn't really help the person that's giving that information freely. In the future, we may see that a lot of people look back and think, wow, I wish that I hadn't, you know, given all of that information freely about all of my friends, my families, every place I've ever been and everything I've ever done. This episode of Bitcoins and Gravy is brought to you by our good friends at MoonshineBootWax.com. Made by hand in small batches right here in East Nashville, Tennessee, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is the original, all-natural, non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is a proprietary blend of American beeswax and other fine all-natural ingredients. It's specially formulated to feed and protect your leather while also offering an excellent long-lasting shine. Whether it's your cowboy boots, your expensive wing tips, or your wife's favorite pumps, Moonshine Boot Wax is a must-have for gentlemen who care about their appearance. Moonshine Boot Wax is proud to partner with Community Food Advocates, a nonprofit organization working to end hunger by creating a healthy, just, and sustainable food system. Together with Community Food Advocates, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is making a positive difference in the Nashville community, one shine at a time. You can buy your very own four ounce tin today by going to moonshinebootwax.com. And best of all, you can pay using Bitcoin. Let me ask you on the subject of healthcare are you planning to attend the distributed healthcare conference we have here coming in September, I believe it is, at the Skirmerhorn? I may be there. I don't know yet, but okay. um, it's, it's possible. I'll see uh, what comes up then. Okay, yeah, I'm uh, I'm working with a few guys on some interesting new podcast developments, and I'm hoping that we'll be actually podcasting from the conference, which would be great to bring in guest speakers to you know interview with us right there, and of course guests who are coming in from all around the world to interview. So you are currently you're an assistant professor at Vanderbilt. What courses do you teach, and are these related to distributed ledger tech or blockchain tech? So I teach one course in the fall, which is the principles of software engineering about how you go and build software and what are the techniques to try to be more successful at it. Hmm. And then in the spring, I teach the software engineering projects course where students take a project and build it out in teams over the course of the semester. Hmm. This year is, is the first year that we've had blockchain-related projects in the, the class. So there was a team that was working on looking at the application of blockchain to Healthcare, and so they were 
specifically focused on the idea of patient reported outcomes mm-hmm. and how you might use blockchain as one component to facilitate patient reported outcomes. And so a patient reported outcome is basically anything that you would go home and you know would take place at home outside of your normal care with the doctor mm-hmm. and you would want to report back. So it might be a side effect that a drug was having on you or it might be you know, how you feel, or it could be anything that, you know, you're not directly in the doctor's office and they're collecting it. So Mm -hmm. the idea is how would you get this type of information and get it back to the provider that's working with you and needs that information and what role could blockchain play in that? I think that in particular, the security ramifications of that, how do you get around challenges related to the security aspects of blockchain? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Do you have ideas in that regard? Yeah, well, I, I certainly think one thing that, you know, has to be considered when you're thinking about blockchain for healthcare is that you need to make the assumption that any data that you actually store in the blockchain, mm-hmm. even if you encrypt it, is one day going to be readable by somebody. So if you give them the information, even if it's encrypted, you know, computing is always changing. There's always the potential that if somebody has access to that in the future, the algorithm that you use to encrypt it or the specific implementation of the algorithm may be found to be vulnerable to attack. And mm-hmm. so if you put information into the blockchain, you're essentially giving that information to everyone. And if it's encrypted, it's protected now, but it doesn't guarantee that it's protected in the future. Hmm. With something like health information, you really have to think about, do I want to have the potential that you know, in my lifetime, somebody might be able to get access to this. Right. And if the answer is no, you really got to come up with an architecture that doesn't directly store it into the blockchain, but instead uses the blockchain as a piece of the interoperability and control of that information. Nice. Now, do you see a future where the encryption would be such that nothing would be able to touch it, nothing would be able to unencrypt it, let's say a quantum computer, which they don't exist right now, as far as I'm aware? Well, I think if I take a cybersecurity approach to this and sort of a lot of my research is in cybersecurity Mm -hmm. is I don't like to think of things as perfectly secure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, things might be perfectly secure in theory, but then when we actually implement them and build them, we tend to make mistakes in what we do. And it's very, very difficult to know or be able to prove that you haven't made any mistakes in the actual application of what you've come up with. And it's also difficult to know the future of what's going to happen, you know, we're talking quantum computers now, but if quantum computers are mainstream, there's going to be something else that we're talking about next mm-hmm, right. that may be able to decrypt that. So it's it's really hard to say so that something's perfectly secure. So one of the things you typically want in cybersecurity is you're going to have to assume that there are going to be flaws that are found, that there are going to be vulnerabilities that are going to be found, and you're going to have to adapt over time to stay ahead of them. So, I mean, if you look at every operating system for major companies that have immense engineering talent, you know, Microsoft and Apple and Google with Android, you know, even though they have all this talent that's building their security, they still have mistakes that are made. There's still problems that come up Mm -hmm. and they have to fix them over time. So when you look at something about the blockchain where you have this idea that things are immutable, you put something in the blockchain and it doesn't change, it's there forever. Well, when you start talking about security, where you need to change, but blockchain, where you're trying not to change it because you don't want to be able to allow people to change and rewrite history, you have to figure out interesting solutions that marry those two together. Hmm. So if you put it into the blockchain, it may be accessible by somebody at some point in time. So you really need to think about the blockchain as a way of, you know, exchanging public information 
or exchanging information, you know, that can help a, you know, private exchange. So it's not an easy thing to go and store stuff in the blockchain that nobody else can access or see. You may be able to store things that nobody can access or see easily right now, but in the future, they may be able to see it. So you just have to be prepared for that with the current sort of thinking on security. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've actually not heard of anybody bring that up in the Bitcoin world. Of course, we are all high on optimism, right? Yeah. That's the that's the most popular drug in the Bitcoin world, which, you know, is good. Optimism is a good thing. But yeah, I have not heard that. And that, you know, it makes a lot of sense. You know, there are always people trying to hack and there are always people developing, you know, new systems that will make the old systems obsolete. So those, those are some really good points. Now, I have to ask you as we wind up here, because I know you have a busy day, I have to ask you if you yourself have invested in any cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin. I have not. Okay. And uh, is that something that you think possibly could be worth investing in in the future? Or I'll put it a different way. If you were to invest in any cryptocurrency, do you have one platform out there that you like better than the other ones that you, you know, think, hey, this one actually, I can see some really interesting things going on here? Well, I think that if I want to invest, when I think of financial investments that I make, I want them really boring. <laughs> when I think of the risky investments that I want to make, I want them to be in things that I have some impact and influence over. <laughs> so that tends to be startup companies that I create or you know, businesses that I have a hand in in some way. And so I've done a number of startups over time. So I think I'll probably end up investing in a blockchain or distributed ledger as a technology and some type of company that I'm invested in mm -hmm. from the perspective of my time and money is being put in it to try to drive it forward. So I think that will happen mm -hmm. in terms of actually putting money in and converting it to, you know, U.S. dollars to Bitcoin or U.S. dollars to, you know, Ethereum or something else and seeing if it goes up or down. That I probably won't do. But certainly the idea of using blockchain and building a business around blockchain, I I think that that'll probably happen in, in the next five years or so. I see. You know, some people would argue that because there's this symbiotic, you could call it, relationship between BTC, you know, Bitcoin, the currency, the token, and Bitcoin, the protocol, that buying, you know, some BTC, buying some Bitcoin is essentially investing in Bitcoin blockchain tech. That, that's definitely true. And, you know, in some ways, I guess I could say that I won't invest in, but I certainly will invest in it to the degree that you know, to do the research, we have to essentially be invested in whatever blockchain we're working with. So we can't do the work without having no interest. So I certainly will be invested to that degree. Nice. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Well, do you have any parting advice for students of computer tech, you know, encouraging people to get into it, to start understanding what's happening with distributed ledger technology, with blockchain technology? Any advice you could give a young student? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say ignore the hype and go build something real. Use blockchain to do something real rather than talk about what it could do or what it could solve. And I think that there's huge potential. We need more people that are actually building things with it, that are applying it and thinking through the complexities of it and figuring out where it really makes sense that we can focus on those things where it is going to be just truly transformational. And we want to put the energy in the right place with blockchain. We don't want to go and say everything's going to be changed by blockchain because at the end of the day, that's not true. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be certain things that are absolutely going to be probably changed by blockchain. 
And we need to put the energy there and we need to figure out where those things are. And we need to put the energy there sooner rather than later. And my belief is that in order to get there, we need more people that are applying blockchain and really thinking through the challenges of it and really doing real things and then, you know, coming back and reporting back on what do you need to do and what do you need to think about best practices, architectural principles, you know, security considerations. And if we can go in that direction, we can figure out where to put our energy, we can have an understanding of what are, we really have to think about about when we're building these solutions and people do real things, I think it, there's just huge potential here. And that's the most important thing that we need right now is more real applications, real building out of the technology in order to explore the space and understand it. Well stated, sir. All right, listeners, you have been listening to Professor Jules White, an assistant professor in the Department of Computer Science at Vanderbilt University right here in Nashville. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'll be in touch soon. Okay, thanks a lot. Mm -hmm. Bye. like to thank my guest on today's show, Vanderbilt University Professor Jules White. Professor White, thank you so much for taking time away from your academic duties to share with us this unique and insightful perspective on blockchain tech and where you see it going in the coming years. And an extra special thanks to our sponsor, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax, the original all-natural non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. The Nashville Wax Company is now offering Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover for removing stubborn, sticky stuff. That's right, it's like Goo Gone, but without the petroleum-based chemicals. All Moonshine products are 100% natural and are available at 15 different fine retail outlets in the Nashville area, including Batch, at the very popular Nashville Farmer's Market on Rosa Parks Drive. To order a tin of Moonshine Boot Wax or a four ounce bottle of Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover, stay right where you are. That's right, without even getting up out of that comfortable office chair, just go to moonshinebootwax.com. Use your credit card, your debit card, or better yet, pay the modern way with Bitcoin. That's right, Bitcoin, the modern way to pay at moonshinebootwax.com. And finally, I'd like to thank my loyal listeners, that's you, for tuning in and for giving me such great feedback about the show each week. Your comments in the show notes are always appreciated, as are the tips that you send to my Bitcoin wallet. I'm a hard-working guy with two jobs, well, two and a half jobs, actually, and without a lot of money, so every little bit counts. Even a 50-cent tip sent to my wallet goes a long way to making me feel that doing this podcast on a volunteer basis, which is what I do, is worth it. It also helps to keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin blockchain epicenter of the South, I'm John Barrett, the host of Bitcoins and Gravy, here each week with my trusty little doggy, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. <laughs> Until next week, friends, remember that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. So do something. Go out there and help your neighbor. Help someone take out the trash. Help someone rake their leaves or clean their gutter or go to the grocery store for somebody. Do something nice for someone you love or care about and it will make you feel like a million bucks. 
I promise you. Have a great one, guys. Climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say. And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day. When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be, he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen. A bit as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain Gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows Till everybody knows your name Down the road it will be told about the death of old Mount Gox About traders trading altar coins And miners mining blocks But them good old boys back in Illinois And on down through Tennessee See, they don't care to be a millionaire They're just wanting to be free Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain Gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows Till everybody knows your name A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go We have front row seats in the development of a historic technology that is doing things that have never been done before. And every day that goes by, I just feel amazed at, at having this opportunity to be frontline observer and sometimes influencer in what is turning out to be perhaps a historic generational worldwide impactful disruptive change in technology, one that will create history. And that is an amazing feeling. Oh, <laughs> oh,